Hello, and welcome to Primary Sources, a featured production of Radio Cows. Here on Primary Sources, we focus on people who are making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas. Some you might have heard of, and some you haven't heard of, but probably want to know about. Check out cows.org slash podcasts for a free podcast of Primary Sources interviews. Welcome, everyone, to our latest installment of Primary Sources, a service of the Central Arkansas Library System. I am Matt DeCampbell. Our guest this time is Mark Christ, who is the Community Outreach Director for the Department of Arkansas Heritage, which more specifically for this podcast means that he is uh, doing a lot of the work on the Arkansas World War One Centennial Commission. Am I saying that correct? Centennial Commemoration Committee. Commemoration Committee. Yeah. Got to get a few more C's in there. We <laughs> like some right. good alliteration. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, first of all, Mark. Well, thanks for having me. So before we uh, drill down into this this piece of American history that people may not know as much about, and especially Arkansas's role in it compared to other things, let's drill down a bit about you. Um, okay. You raised, born and raised locally? Uh, I've, I've been in Arkansas since 1976. I'm okay. a native of Northeast Indiana. Oh, wow. So, but you came down here then, uh, well, I don't want to guess when that would be, but at, at some point in your childhood. Uh, well, I was a, uh, I was a teenager. Yeah. I was 16 when I okay. moved here. And then uh, what brought you here? Uh, my dad uh, got a job here. He was the uh, the editor of the uh, what was then the Guardian Press, the Catholic newspaper, mm-hmm. and also a sports writer for the uh, Arkansas Democrat. And that's something else we'll get to in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and so you stayed here and went to school. Right. And at uh, at UA Little Rock or in Fayetteville? I, I, I uh, went to University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Okay. okay. As, as my two daughters uh, as well. Oh, proud Trojan family. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's that's always right. good. And then you went into journalism for a while, yes? Right. I was uh, – I spent eight years as a journalist. Uh, I worked for the uh, Commercial Appeal in Memphis. Um, then I worked for the Arkansas Gazette. Did you ever work for the Gazette while your dad was at the Democrat? No, no, but uh, but my wife was working at the Democrat, which is uh, how we met and which is why I left the Gazette. Ah, well, then I, I can't think of a better reason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so uh, when did you tran- transfer out of journalism uh, toward more historic pursuits, I guess? Well, I, uh, I got my uh, job with the Arkansas Historic Preservation Program in uh, February of 1990. As the public information officer, and this yep. over the years, um, I got a lot of other duties as assigned, which um, you know, in, in, up until uh, 2015, included the Arkansas Civil War Sesquicentennial Commission, which of course ended because that was the, 1865, 2015, right. and then you went. Straight from that into this, or well, pretty close, I guess, because it was last August, I think. Pretty, the, pretty close. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I, I thought I was done commemorating wars, but then uh, the the governor created the uh, the World War One committee by uh, um, executive order, mm-hmm. and I got the um, des- I was made the designee of the Department of Arkansas uh, Heritage. So I'm basically doing the same thing for World War One that I did for the Civil War, and uh, as a uh, Fellow former journalist, the PIO life does take us in odd directions, it does and indeed. it has brought us both here today. So that's right. So that's good. World War One is obviously a very important war in world history, but it is not one that is well known as what you could argue, along with you know Spanish American and some others. But the you've got the Civil War on one side, and you've got World War Two on the other. Right. But the Great War is is kind of a kind of a gap in a lot of people's 
history and education. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the United States w- was involved in the war for a relatively short time compared to the, the European countries. But uh, but Arkansas was uh, was deeply affected by the war. You know, on on the you know on, on the front end, we had uh, almost seventy two thousand soldiers who um, who served during the uh, during nineteen seventeen, nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen. Uh, Two thousand one hundred and eighty three of them died. Uh, the majority of disease, but uh, a significant number from, of combat casualties as well. And uh, close to two thousand were wounded or otherwise injured during the course of the war. And in the buildup to the U.S. involvement, because as you said, it was, what, three and a half years or so that the war went on before the U.S. got involved, you you see, or at least I saw when I was going back reading through it, a lot of the same things you would later see in World War II or in the Cold War where you had a lot of uh, factions forming and a lot of suspicion rising mm-hmm. and some paranoia. Um, right. Can you talk about some of that? Right. Yeah. Well, um, there was an, there was a lot of anti-German uh, sentiment as you know as we became involved in the war, and that was significant in Arkansas because we had a, uh, a sizable German population, not just in Little Rock but around the state. Um, there was a uh, an incident in uh, early 1917 where they uh, they raided the Subiaco Abbey. I was going to bring that up. That yeah. fascinated me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they you know they, they were German monks at yeah. Subiaco and they uh, they thought the local authorities thought that they were using, you know, they had a radio transmitter for whatever reason. They thought they were using it to to contact the uh, contact the Kaiser. So they sent in the uh, they sent in the sheriff to uh, disable the 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 radio. And the guy had never seen a a, a set like that, you know. So he said if I Smash it up with my axe. Will that disable it? Which, of course, it did. Yeah. And then uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know there were like things like Ger- German American banks at the start of the war. A lot of those uh, places changed their names. You know, they became the American National Bank and sure. things like that. Uh, the editor of one of the German newspapers in Little Rock, the Arkansas Staatszeitung, was was actually imprisoned. So uh, it was uh, it was it was a difficult time, and and you know for the German American citizens, and they uh, a lot of them went out of their way to prove their loyalty, but there was, as you mentioned, a lot of uh, of opposition to the war. Uh, significantly, uh, the the Russellites, who were uh, it's a, a group that's now known as the Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. but they you know they didn't believe in uh, you know in, in fighting, so. Um, and strangely enough, some of them got into armed conflicts with uh, with federal agents and uh, <laughs> law enforcement officers who came to to enforce the draft. So there were um, six or seven what, what what are now called draft wars um, during, during the uh, mostly in 1918. Uh, Claiborne County, Newton County, you know, the, the mountainous areas tended to to breed that kind of opposition. And and the draft in World War One feels a, a little different. Than how it operated, it seemed to be more of a, and I don't mean this in a, you know, creepy way, but it was kind of a creeping draft, right? It was, it wasn't like all at once, or was there one declaration and it was on? Well, there was, there was one day, okay. um, and I'm trying to recall. I think it was in June of uh, of 1917, or it might have been a little earlier, but uh, but there was one day that everyone between the age of uh, I think it was 18 and 35 had to go in and and register. And there was a lot of play about that in the the, the um, Arkansas Gazette and the Arkansas Democrat. You know that you know different cities, you know different counties, how many people they brought out and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, there was actually a bit of a, a scandal in in Little Rock where 
the uh, the son of the mayor was arrested uh, and accused of of dodging the draft. But you know the the mayor brought out his birth certificate and it showed that he was born you know like six weeks too early to be oh. to be up for the draft. Yeah. So you know it was you know, political uh, sure shenanigans. Imagine that. Yeah. And and I have to think. I mean, you were talking about some of the mountainous regions of the state a, a century ago. Getting word about the draft out probably still didn't reach everyone by the registration date. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of folks way back in the back in the woods. But then you know a lot of the, those same people, you know their uh, their ancestors, you know during the Civil War, were the the guys who you know didn't really want to fight for either side too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was really in a lot of ways a family tradition to uh, stay out of it. Stay out of it. It's yeah. not not their fight. So that uh, you know some of that attitude I think bled over into the uh, into the First World War. And there was also I mean, you talk about political shenanigans. Uh, well, not even on the just on a greater I think governing level. You had two U.S. senators in Arkansas that had very vastly different approaches to the war. In- incredibly different. Uh, uh, senator Robinson, Joe T. Robinson, was a uh, was a hawk, and uh, uh, Senator uh, Robert Kirby was not uh, was not as supportive of the war. Um, Robinson went so far as to uh, uh, one of the lead opponents to the war in the Senate was uh, Robert La Follette of Wisconsin. And uh, at, at one point uh, um, in a floor speech, uh, Robinson got up and just insulted uh, La Follette to where, you know, the other senators were holding back the Wisconsin senator and, and Robinson saying, hey, I'll meet you outside. You know, so just uh, very, uh, very acrimonious. And there was another senator, wasn't there, who he uh, he challenged that they should both resign, and uh, and the voters would. Does that not ring any bell? I, I'm I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, one. I thought I thought I saw a story about a yeah. senator from Missouri who was very much on the other side. You know, they both uh, said they had the best interests of the country, and so yeah. Robinson says, "Well, let's then let's both step down and see what the voters say." I I could certainly see Joe T. Robinson doing that, and he was. He was like that on a lot of issues. I mean, for I mean, not just he was obviously very hawkish, but he was not uh, he was not a wallflower in the U.S. Senate. No, no, he 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 was a big man. He had a big voice, and he used it uh, with, with great effect. And and that continued on beyond World War One into uh, into a support of uh, FDR and the New Deal during the uh, the Depression leading up to the Second World War. And that's another thing too, not the Depression per se, but. You had a lot of other things going on during World War One. You had the big flu pandemic, right? You had um, something. Was there was there a panic in in uh, financial panic around? Uh, I'm, the I'm not I'm not familiar with with that. I'm trying to remember, but I mean, uh, you had a, a international worldwide flu pandemic going on. Yes, including uh, in Arkansas. And really, that that was. I mean, I, th- I think. Uh, I mean, millions and millions of people died from what they what they now call the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. and that that affected. You know, that hit Arkansas very hard too. More than the war. I mean, yeah. worldwide. Yeah, and and you know, of those two thousand. You know, or so soldiers who who died. You know, a lot of them were killed by the flu, and it was such a virulent uh, disease. You know that these these healthy young men would wake up in the morning, you know, and then get the sniffles, and by by the time the sun went down, they were dead. So as uh, you know, we had uh, a major training facility at Camp Pike, what what is now Camp Robinson in mm-hmm. North Little Rock. So as uh, 
succeeding drafts of soldiers were brought in, they were quarantined for several weeks to make sure, you know, that they didn't have the flu and, and bring it into the rest of the, the, the soldiers there. And Camp Pike was established for World War One, correct? For World War One, yes. Yeah. Initially, there was some training done at uh, at Fort Roots, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just wasn't big enough to, um, to, to, you know, fulfill the needs of the Army. So there was a big, you know, big drive. I mean, lots of people across. I mean, lots of places all over the, the South were wanting to have, of course, uh, have this this base. You know, it's yeah. kind of like you know now we're seeing you know people vying to be the second Amazon headquarters. <laughs> right. This was a similar thing back back in the day, and uh, you know, it was the uh, the Little Rock Chamber of Commerce made uh, made an, uh, a great offer they couldn't refuse, and that brought uh, brought the facility here with all the resultant jobs and uh, uh, contracts and things like that. Which, of course, interestingly enough, was not established within Little Rock. I mean, it was right. north of North Little Rock. North of North Little Rock, right. But, which Argenta at the time, sorry. Yeah. 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 But, they, you know, they, everybody benefited from having it here. And, and the, the bulk of the businesses would have been in Little Rock anyways. So, you know, they, they, they didn't um, – uh, they benefited greatly from it. And as you had the draft and you had all of these young men going off to war, we hear a lot about the stories and – of course, Rosie the Riveters up at Crystal Bridges, but all these things about the women entering the workforce. But this happened in World War One as well, right? Yes, there there was uh, there was quite a bit of that. The, it was the first appearance of the Red Cross in uh, in, in Arkansas, and and there there was a really an industrial boom as well. I mean, a mining boom because uh, you know they, they they needed zinc for uh, for weapons. Uh, um, the the town of Zinc, the ghost town of Zinc, up on the Buffalo River is right. a, a reminder of that. Uh, aluminum was was needed, so uh, uh, the bauxite mines in Saline County were booming. Uh, I've heard that 10 million canteens were made from Arkansas uh, oh, wow. aluminum yeah. because of that. Um, wood for gun stocks was uh, taken from the the Delta uh, counties. And uh, and here in Little Rock, it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, uh, near what's now the uh, the airport, uh, there was a picric acid plant built. That uh, yeah, I mean, it was huge. Picric acid made a very powerful explosive, and uh, this was another one of those those uh, contracts that we really wanted to get. Sure. And, and they ended up getting it, and it was such a big plant that um, that they didn't have sufficient manpower in in Little Rock to to handle it. So they they drafted, you know, labor drafted people, barbers, uh, bellhops, you know, people who didn't have essential war kind of jobs yeah. were were sent to work in the plant. That still didn't work. So they brought people from out in the state, and they still didn't have enough people. So they brought uh, uh, several uh, um, hundred uh, Puerto Rican workers to work in the plants, and those poor guys got here. And the climate was bad, the the flu was bad, and uh, and hundreds of them died. There's a uh, Memorial cenotaph to those um, Puerto Rican Picron workers in uh, Cavalry Cemetery in Little oh, Rock, wow. which is kind of an interesting uh, side story. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, and I, we didn't even build up to the women in the workforce yet, right? But right. but they but obviously as they're pulling in men from other industries and other parts of the state, and in some cases, you know, a territory, uh, you needed someone to fill those. Positions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it really um, the, the uh, World War One was happening at the at 
the same time as the the uh, drive toward uh, suffrage for oh, right. women. Yes. So uh, the the suffragists were were a lot of them were highly supportive of the war because it you know it it, it did help to empower women and bring them into uh, bringing them into more visible roles as as workers and things like that. And uh, and I think you could make a very good case that uh, that it was a you know a key element toward uh, the eventual passage of the amendment for that that gave women the right to vote. Wow. And, I, and these, I'm just jumping all over the place because you say something that reminds me of something else. Mm-hmm. But uh, when President Wilson, uh, his daughter, came to Northeast Arkansas and ended up like doing a pretty much a tour of the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it was part, I think, of a of a national tour that she was uh, right that for she war was, bonds and right, yeah. right, getting yeah, and, and just you know building up support for the war and things like that. So yeah, I know she was in Little Rock. I know she was in Jonesboro. I think she started in Osceola, even and just kind of worked mm-hmm. her way. And it was it was she was a singer, I believe, or she some was sort a of singer. Performer. She yeah. would she would come and sing. Uh, she had, uh, oh, I, I I'm trying to recall the exact quote, but the the Gazette said she had a you know very high uh, mellifluous voice, and uh, and I, I know that she at one point she uh, they had a, a stopover in Louisville down in South Arkansas, oh, and yeah. they basically shut the town down and and feted uh, Miss uh, Miss Wilson. Well, for Lafayette County, I mean, even then, that's going to be a big deal. So mm-hmm. a yeah. very big deal. <laughs> You're going to get the most out of that out of you can. Yep. I remember now that I mentioned Wilson. That is the uh, the argument that Senator Robinson was in was over the League of Nations. Uh, with the senator from Missouri. Okay. And, yeah. That, and it, that makes sense. Because he was very supportive of President Wilson's movement. Right. Others right. in the Senate. Yeah. That's a little farther than I am in the war, right? Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking in the future. This is, yeah, that, right. we'll have to come back in a year and a half and do that toward the armistice. Uh, so when the um, when the American involvement happened, and, and you talk about all of these troops leaving Arkansas, was it was it a big bulk at once or was it spread out over months and weeks and well the the uh the the national guard was federalized so that was one of the first things those sure. those troops went over you know pretty much as a unit but then it was just that there was constant training i think throughout the war of soldiers at camp pike and as you know as a as a draft would get its tra- get its training they would be sent over and uh and uh, fed into you know other units uh, a, lo- a lot of them went in as replacements for for um, casualties so, you know, not all of the guys who trained here, you know, fought as a unit once they got to uh, once they got to Europe. And just based on the records we have, what was it like for them? Because, you know, this is the first war of this scale where you are crossing an ocean to go. Right. You know, you're truly in an unknown world as opposed to the Civil War where you're in some very unknown places, but it's, you know, it's, it's still, still America. Yeah. Yeah. But what what was it like for them? Um, well, you know, for, for a lot of these folks, it's the first time they've been out of Arkansas or, or whatever their home state was, you know, so they would they would have the, the long boat ride and the, the tension over the possibility of being torpedoed. Right. And, and we did lose some Arkansas men in uh, in vessels that were uh, were sunk by by um, German submarines. Uh, once they got there, they would uh, be placed into the trenches. So, you know, we, we had, uh, in fact, in uh, November of 1918, the first um, the first action with American soldiers took place. Uh, Germans raided a uh, an American salient and killed several guys, wounded several. One of whom was an Arkansan. 
So you know they they had the um, they had life in the trenches. You know the horror of gas attacks. Yeah. Um, you know disease. It was um, it was it was a. I mean, all wars are horrible. This one had its own special horrors that uh, I think it was just the the exponential ramping from what we had known before to this. Right. Technological, uh, I guess, leap for the worse in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and as with the Civil War, a lot of the tactics of uh, did not advance with the technology. Mm-hmm. So there were, uh, I'm sure, unnecessary casualties during the, during World War One. And you have to think that a lot of these soldiers, of course, had family members that they grew up with, with memories of the Civil War. And a lot of the things they did or didn't talk about with that in their banging around in their heads while they're also crossing right. the ocean. Yeah, one of one of the best uh, pictures that I've that I've seen that is, that has kind of come up since the uh, commemoration started came from uh, Melissa uh, Nesbitt who's down at the South Arkansas Regional Archives in uh, in Hempstead County. And she had a picture of her uh, her grandfather and her granduncle in their doughboy suits, and they're standing on either side of their father, who was a Confederate veteran, you know, and mm-hmm. seeing his boys off to fight for the uh, for the United States. So, you know, it it uh, the war did end a lot of those kind of divisions, and you know, people became more united uh, that that uh, might have been harboring grudges from the earlier sure. fight. Yeah. So, and explain. To our listeners and to me a bit about the Doughboys and then your personal connection as well. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the overwhelming majority of the, uh, the American soldiers who fought uh, were, were draftees. Uh, we, had a, we had a very small standing army at the start of the war. So uh, there was just, just a massive boom to, to train these guys and get them over there. And, and uh, General Pershing at the same time was trying to, you know, fighting to make sure that they wouldn't just get tossed into German, I mean, not German, but uh, uh, British and, uh, and French units that, you know, had already suffered uh, you know, debilitating casualties. Right. He wanted them to be, remain under American command as American units, and he did succeed in that. But, um, but as I said, most of them were draftees, and one of those draftees was my grandfather, Gregory Bone. And and, and where did the term come from? You know, I I don't know what the uh, the origin of that is, and I I should, but I'm I'm not sure exactly what the uh, what where that came from. Well, we're giving you plenty of material to add to the future presentations right. you do as as, right. as the war goes. On. Maybe it's because they were the raw dough that we it, had to mold into soldiers. It, it could be, yeah. It could be. And and when you say the the doughboy outfits, then you just mean their 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 military uniforms, right? right. Okay. Well, doughboy outfits. I'm, I'm I mean more more like units, uh, you okay. know, uh, companies. Oh yeah, things sure. Like that. So yeah. then, what was uh, you know what have you heard through the generations in your family about your your grandpa and and that experience? Well, it's you know he he. Um, he rarely, if ever, spoke about it, you know, and he was a very, uh, very gentle man. I just, I, I was never able to picture him in, uh, in, in, in a foxhole in, in a foxhole. Yeah. yeah and, I, and he was gassed. Uh, he, you know, he swallowed some gas and, you know, it ended up killing him, you know, 30 years after the war. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, but, you know, like, like many soldiers from all wars, you know, he went over, he did his bit, he got back, you know, he... Got home, got married, had a passel of kids, and you know lived a good life, but um, never wanted to um, wanted to share you know what ha- what happened to him over there. And that's another piece that I think comes with the advance in technology and tactics and everything is that also this was I mean as you put it with your grandpa, probably the first war in American history where a lot of people suffered the effects for years and decades mm-hmm. and not just 
you know, the, the physical effects. Obviously, everyone had right. great, you know, mental effect from it. But the fact that you could contract something that was going to kill you, but not like gout or something from the Civil War. This right. is something that could take years and years or decades. Right, right. And yeah, and a, and a lot of those uh, those gas victims wouldn't live to long, long lives. Well, the, the gentleman who was injured in that first attack in mm-hmm. November of 1918, he just lived a few years after the war. You know, he, he wasn't gas, but... Uh, his injuries were bad enough that he never really recovered uh, recovered from it. And two, uh, the the um, a lot of the injuries that they suffered were just uh, just horrific. You know, they the the medicine had improved to where you know they they could keep these guys alive, but they would be missing you know parts of their face, limbs. Things it was like not that. a a pleasant extension of absolutely life. not. Yeah. Talk to me a little more about the the Red Cross and that and and their kind of, uh, you know, coming out during the First World War and, and kind of becoming the, the larger organization that they, that they are today. Right, right. Well, you know, initially they were, they were doing things like, you know, they, they, there'd be Red Cross stations set up at, uh, at, at train depots to, you know, have stuff for the boys as the, you know, as the, the troop trains came through. Uh, they, would, they would prepare bandages, uh, you know, things like that, just, just supply things for the uh, – for, for the war effort. But it was, uh, it was you know, they also went uh, on to the other side of the, the ocean. They were, you know, they were there as nurses. And, of course. And, and, help, and so it was, just, it was really the, uh, you know, it was the, the formative years for what became, uh, you know, what I think is still today the um, probably the primary private aid uh, service in the, certainly in the country. And they seemed to become a very strong voice very quickly when it came to you know, mustering support for the war effort and to uh, kind of help you know, organize things on the home front. Right. Yeah. If if you read the newspaper accounts of the uh, of the era, you know, just about every day in the newspaper, there's going to be some kind of a Red Cross drive going on. You know, calling calling for people to volunteer. And um, um, you know, going back to to women on the home front, uh, you know that. The, uh, the the women of Arkansas were were organized, you know, into you know county groups and things like that, auxiliaries, auxiliaries, and they would, uh, you know, initially, you know, they, um, um, you know, they they said we need these things knitted. So you know, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of women knitting knitting socks and uh, sweaters, things like that, you know, in, in prep for the the, the uh, for the winter. Uh, Elizabeth Hill, who's done a lot of research on that that subject, you know, m- mentions one one doughboy who wrote home and said, you know, we, we appreciate getting all this stuff, but please don't send us any more socks. <laughs> We've got all we need. Yeah, all we need. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, from previous war experiences, that was often one of the greatest needs was right quality footwear. So yeah, footwear. Yeah, and just you know, the, these the. We weren't really ready for the war, yeah. you know, so, you know, they, but these uh, sweaters and things like that, that first cold winter that they were over there, they, it really was a boon for the uh, for the soldiers. Oh, yeah. So let's talk a bit about uh, going back to both of our, our, our shared past, the journalism mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that and obviously you've read a lot of the archives from the Gazette mm-hmm. from back then. And it seemed like that, uh, of course, it was a, it was a, a great conduit for learning what was going on a world away. But there were also a lot of, uh, again, I don't want to lean too heavily on the word shenanigans, but you had a lot of things that, that kind of got reported and and uh, blown out of proportion and led to some things on the home front. Right, right. Um, I don't have really a for instance. For well, I, maybe not the last part, but just yeah. in general. I mean, talk about what the, you know, what what that did to, to amplify the, I guess, the impact of journalism in okay. 
in the in Arkansas. Well, the um, you know, the the newspaper, at least the Gazette, was very supportive of the war. And um, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't supportive of the war, you would you would not have a sympathetic ear in that uh, in in that newspaper. Uh, uh, the the uh, editor of the Stadt Zeitung, for, for instance, you know, I mean, they openly mocked him. You know, they had uh, an article where they were talking about his accent and things like that. And this isn't even editorials. This the, is... No, this is this is news copy. Right. You know, and um, um, there's a lot of shaming of uh, people who didn't sign up for the draft and and things like that. And uh, how did they have to expand their? Their scope. I mean, the newspaper to get, or were they working a lot of wire services to get information from the I front. Think, I think there was a lot of wire copy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we had correspondence over there, but but really, uh, one of the one of the coolest things uh, from journal, journalism in, in back in the day is you know the soldiers would write home mm-hmm. uh, to the newspaper, and you would have these first person accounts that were uh, that were published. You know, the, the soldiers' letters would be published in the newspaper, which is something that had also happened during the uh, the Civil War. Uh, but uh, one great project that's going on right now, in fact, uh, Mike, Mike Polston, who works here in, in CALS at the Butler Center, is, uh, uh, is the honcho on this. But um, he has a project where people are transcribing those, you know, letters sent home to their county newspapers. And, you know, they're transcribing them and he's putting those, uh, putting those online through right. the American History Museum in, uh, in Cabot. So that... Obviously, you could find if you had ancestors in the war that you may not even have you know known about these letters. And right, can, right. I and assume it, there'll be a searchable archive at some point and all of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's out there online, and it's and it it really it's um, it's the best way to you know to to see how it affected our Arkansas troops you know directly because they they would write home and they were they were candid you know I mean they there would be some editing and stuff like that but. As candid as they could be, they would be. Oh, of course. Just, yeah. I mean, war is hell, and yeah. this is what I'm going through. Yeah. And and communication technology also at that stage was very interesting because just pulling back from Arkansas for a bit, but one of the major things that got the U.S. involved in the war was a telegram. Right. The right. Zimmerman telegram, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Explain a little bit about, about how that kind of was the tipping point after okay. years of right yeah and you know there was ambivalence about about getting into the uh, into the war um you know in fact wilson ran you know his his uh, last campaign was he kept us out of war was the thing then of course once he got elected he got us into war right but really the uh, the the thing that uh, enraged the american people was um the uh, german ambassador had um, uh, sent a telegram to um mexico Basically offering a deal, you know, if Mexico would uh, would would ally with Germany and and attack the United States, then when the war was over, they would get the um, the back all of the property that um, that the United States had uh, had taken from Mexico at the end of the Mexican American War in uh, in the eighteen uh, late eighteen forties. And that stuff happening in our backyard was not uh, was not something that the American people were ready to uh, to put up with, and that that uh, led both Congress and popular support to uh, swing from ambivalence to you know let's let's go get those guys. That's what bring, brought it home. Yes, because yeah. it was 
very much a far away, even if it, as today we think about things being far away happening, but for right. then it was uh, literal, yeah. literally a world away. Right. And, and, and just a few months before the Zimmerman uh, telegram took place, we, we had, uh, you know, Arkansas troops, the uh, National Guard troops were on the, uh, were on the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, uh, Pancho uh, Villa had been doing, you know, had, had raided uh, a town in, in New Mexico. So we sent, you know, the army went after him, and uh, you know, which really served as a uh, a good training uh, program for the for the troops, even though they didn't see much much action. But Mexico was already kind of a sore spot with the with with the American people because of that uh, that activity down there. Yeah, that's not only is it in their backyard; it's fresh in their minds because mm-hmm. they had it just friends happened. or relatives that had just been dealing with that. Right. Yeah, and and you know, people Americans died during that uh, that altercation. Yeah. What all, uh, we talked about the, the database being formed, but of course there's a much wider spread of, of things you have planned over the next few years. And right. If you want to go into those as much, okay. uh, as little okay. as you like. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll run some of the things, through some of the things that we're doing as a, as a committee. Uh, wh- what I, I think our signature uh, uh, program is going to be, uh, we, we have um, World War I Memorial Tree Program. Uh, which w- was suggested by actually again by Mike Polston. He's mm-hmm. a, he's he's a he's a real World War One guy. Yeah. But there there had been a uh, program after the war to plant memorial trees around the uh, around the country, and uh, in fact in Arkansas the only known ones that still uh, that still stand are at Henderson State University. Oh. They planted a grove of uh, of holly trees. Um, six trees, one for each of the uh, uh, students and teachers who died in the war, and five of those. Uh, are are still alive today. They're going to plant another one to finish out the uh, finish out the grove at Henderson, but um, he he had suggested that that might be something that that we could do. So um, we approached uh, uh, the the Arkansas Forestry Commission. Yeah. Um, uh, State Forester Joe Joe Fox, his, great guy, love Joe. He's a, he yeah. is a great guy, but his his uh, well, if you know Joe, you know he's a storyteller. Yes, so he is. When I first approached him, he said, "Well, yeah, okay, you know, we'll do this, but first you got to I got to tell you about my grandpa." So his grandfather uh, Spencer Fox, out of out of Pine Bluff, uh, you know, w- was uh, went to officer candidate school. Mm-hmm. So he went to. Um, uh, trained and then he was assigned to a Wisconsin unit. And uh, when he came home from the uh, from the war, he you know fought, uh, wounded three times. Uh, you know, came back with a, a purple heart with oak leaf clusters. And, and he came back and he said, "Well, I've I've buried the bloody shirt." You know, and I said, "Well, what do you mean, Grandpa?" Well, his grandfather had been a Confederate soldier who was killed at the Battle of Yellow Tavern in Virginia. Mm. Uh, the Wisconsin unit that he served with was the lineal descendant of the uh, Wisconsin cavalry unit wow. that killed his grandpa. So, wow. you know, boing, that what a, what a story. Right. So he was, you know, he, he was very ready to uh, ready to, to join with us in this uh, uh, this this program. And uh, uh, our chairman, Sean Fisher, the committee, our committee chairman, had suggested that we uh, we contact uh, the Muse Argonne uh, American Cemetery in France and see if they could send us some soil so we could put a little bit of French soil in, in with each of these trees. And and um, and we we did. We finally we, it took several months. You know, there's there's always red tape. But, right. Uh, we got the uh, we got the soil here the day before we planted the first tree at the old State House Museum. So you know it worked out well. So our, our goal is to have one in each of the uh, 75 counties. Uh, you know it's a first come first served uh, basis. And at this point, um, 
as of today, we have 32 counties already uh, accounted for, and you know we're getting we're having to tell some people, sorry, somebody else already got it. Right. But uh, I'm I'm confident that we'll get uh, get all that together. Uh, we we also have a traveling exhibit that. Uh, was developed by the Arkansas State Archives that talks about um, the war in general and the war in Arkansas in particular, and that's free, uh, you know, to go around the state. It's uh, it's booked uh, through 17 into mid 2018. But you know, if you're interested in it, just uh, visit www.arkansas.com and that, that'll that'll get you there. Um, our, our web page is, also has a lot of information. Uh, we we have a sites and memorial page that. Uh, that, that, that can tell you where to go, uh, what museums have exhibits about World War I, uh, what, what facilities or surviving buildings have connections to the war, uh, as, as well as all of the, um, you know, we, we have, I think, six Doughboy statues around the state, but we also, just about every county has some sort of a, a war memorial that sure. includes World War I casualties. Uh, we have an events page. We, we're sanctioning events uh, every month for, um, you know, that uh, exhibits. Um, uh, there, there's uh, things coming up. Uh, there, I know there's a couple of guys who um, who um, they're actors who do Teddy Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson. Oh yeah, yeah. And they uh, you know they they debate oh, the, yeah. going into the war. So there, yeah. there's that, that sort of thing. And we have a, a research and ed- education page that includes a, a timeline of Arkansas and the war, a, a bibliography of every book and article that's been written, you know, pertaining to Arkansas and the war. Um, we have lesson plans that uh, that uh, elementary and and secondary schools can can use to teach teach about World War One, and we have a uh, a speakers bureau where you know if, if you you're uh, historical society or, or club wants you know to have somebody come and talk about World War One. We have experts in different aspects of that who will uh, will do it. We're also uh, recording podcasts in in cooperation with the uh, University of Arkansas at Little Rock School of Mass Communication, oh, yeah. where we have uh, experts on different aspects of the war come in and give three to five minute uh, uh, mini lectures about that. So those are you know you can learn a lot about what what happened in the war there. But one one of my favorite things on the on the website is the uh, the memories page where we invite uh, Arkansans to send in photos, letters, things like that from their doughboy uh, or, or you know World War One era ancestors, sure. and, and share those with the uh, with the the, um, the the rest of the state, you know, which is where we got that great picture of the two guys with their Confederate father. Right. And then, of course, those can be added into the transcription archive that's being built right. and, and rich in that even more. Right. When you when you talk about the, the memorials and the markers and things like that, have have some through this process kind of been rediscovered? Because I got to think there were a lot of small Arkansas communities that didn't have necessarily the big memorial on the courthouse lawn or something, but just had little things here and there. Yes. Yeah. And it's, and it's really been interesting. In fact, uh, I, I Came across one just by chance. Uh, uh, another program we have at HPP is a is a passport program. Uh, so we we went to uh, Crossit the uh, the Crossit. It used to be the Crossit uh, Post Office. Now it's an economic development agency, but it's one of our stamping stations. Well, there's this plaque on a on a boulder out front. So I went over and looked at it, and it was a it was a memorial to the World War One soldiers from Crossit who wow. died during the war. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of things like that. There's uh, there's one at Vol Walker Hall in um, um, at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville that the the first name is uh, um, I can't remember um, the the first name in the list is a, a woman whose last name was Bird, 
who was a nurse, a, a Red Cross nurse who went over there and, and died of disease, you know, but she was a UA grad. Um, there's one at Northside High School in Fort Smith, you know, M- Memorial Plaque. And when we contacted them, because I'd, I'd heard it was there and, you know, they frankly had not really noticed that it was World War One. So wow. we have thing, you know, things like that that, that are uh, that are still cropping up. And if, if someone listening to this is like, oh, 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 I got one. Then that the, the memories page on the website is the best way to go, or is there someone to call, or what's the uh, best way to do that? They, they can they can contact uh, contact me. That's probably the easiest thing. Uh, Mark at arkansasheritage.org is a, a, a good uh, a good website, or I'm sorry, a good email, email address. Yeah. And uh, yeah, get get me the uh, information, and uh, we'll we'll get it on the uh, we'll put those on the sites and memorial page and on the uh, on the memories page. And you touched on some of them, but there are a lot of really incredible personal stories of some of these. I saw one about uh, we had a soldier who was who got the Medal of Honor twice. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't remember. I can't which, think of his name. Which one? Did, yeah. There, there were uh, there were three Medal of Honor winners uh, with, with with Arkansas roots. And one of them got a Medal of Honor from both the Army and the Navy. Yeah, and and, and all three of the men who uh, who received Medals of Honor uh, were they were posthumous. Right. They all died uh, died in action. Uh, our most decorated veteran was uh, was Herman Davis, who was uh, he was a hunter up in uh, Manila, up in Mississippi County. You know, so he would you know he spent his life hunting on Big Lake and you know getting food to sell to sure. know, the hundreds of ducks to go to Chicago hotels and things oh, like yeah. that for the four so, yes. so when he gets to so when when he goes to uh, he's in World War one he's an expert marksman sure you know, he's been picking off ducks for for years and uh, he ended up getting the uh, the Croix de guerre from the uh, from the French he but he he was uh, General Pershing listed him as one of the 100 best soldiers of World War one and you know nobody knew it until that list came out you know he came back like so many of these guys Quietly, he didn't have much to say you know yeah. he put his medals literally put his medals in his fishing tackle box and it wasn't until that came out that uh, that he was recognized and and sadly uh, herman davis is one of those guys who swallowed some gas and he just lived a couple of years after the war yeah but there is a uh, this I think the smallest state park in Arkansas is Herman Davis Memorial Park in Manila, where there's a statue of Davis in front of an obelisk, and it's it's well worth a visit. Wow! Can you duck hunt near there? Yes, you can. There you go. I mean, you just tie that into a weekend. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Like, That's Look, right. son, this is what duck hunting can get you. <laughs> it's a great pursuit. So uh, again, the website is is WW1, which of course people immediately think WWW, but this is right. World War One, not World Wide Web. Right. WW1.Arkansas. And it's WW1Arkansas.com. Okay. So all one word, WW1Arkansas.com. Right. Yeah. And you can use a numeral or an I and both, You've got both, both domains. Work. Yes. Great. Uh, and uh, if, if people want more information beyond that too, because of course, DAH, I mean, Heritage Works, in so many historical areas in the state, mm-hmm. including preservation, right? Uh, you know, what what are what are some some recent highlights uh, for them to be checking out for that as well? Unless you promote the whole department while you're here. Um, well, one one of the things we have uh, have have coming up is the the second year of the uh, the the Arkansas. Uh, uh, Food Awards. I, mean, I can't remember the exact name of. Oh, thing. the Food Hall of Fame. Yeah, Food Hall of Fame. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I had a blank moment there. But yes, that uh, the, the the second year of that, and it's uh, the the it was very popular in its first year. It was. We, I was we there. An, yeah. We anticipate a lot of uh, more, even more you know, nominations this year. 
and that's a really cool way to, uh, you know, well, first honor, you know, some of the, the great restaurants we have around the state. One of the best aspects of my job is I get to travel a lot, and there are some fabulous restaurants in, are. in Arkansas. So that's a good way to recognize uh, recognize those. And, of course, our museums all have uh, have ongoing uh, uh, great, uh, great exhibits. We have the... Uh, Historic Arkansas Museum, uh, Mosaic Templars Cultural Center, and uh, Old State House Museum in Little Rock. The Old State House, by the way, uh, survives because it became the World War One Memorial Build, the War Memorial Building after the war. Oh. Uh, fo- some folks were wanting to tear it down, and a, a coalition of women's groups got together and said, uh, "Well, no, we you know we need to pre- preserve this building and do do it, uh, save it as an honor to the Doughboys." So. That's a direct uh, connection to the war. We also have the Delta Cultural Center in uh, in Helena, and they're doing uh, a lot of World War One programming during the uh, centennial commemoration. Great, and the uh, general website for the department or for preservation, whichever one. Uh, well, uh, uh, ArkansasPreservation.com uh, is the the one for for my agency, and I, I believe it's ArkansasHeritage.com is the uh, website. And if you go to the the department uh, website. That'll get you to all of the other uh, uh, eight divisions within the department. Great. Well, thank you for being here, uh, Mark. Mark Christ with the World War One C- Centennial. Centennial Commemoration Committee. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I survived that test. Uh, th- thanks for being here. Of course, you can always find uh, more of our podcasts at uh, calcals.org, along with a lot of other information, including some of what we've talked about, uh, working on with the Butler Center work with, uh, with archiving these, uh, these, these stories of the soldiers back through World War I. And uh, always just walk into your local library and you will find a lot of great information on this. And if uh, you're lucky, you'll end up down some rabbit holes and learn about some things you never even thought you'd want to know about. And thank you for tuning into this episode. We will see you the next time around and have yourself a great day. You've been listening to Primary Sources on Radio Cows, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System, its Arkansas History Department, the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies, and the Cows Communications and Public Relations Department. For more information, please visit cows.org and butlercenter.org. Our producer is Glenn Whaley. Production manager is Shelley Stormo. Voices by Jasmine Job and John Miller. Engineering and editing by Anna Lancaster and Shelley Stormo. Our executive producers are Leanne Blackwell Hoskin and David Strickland.